What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, as always, and today we have a very fun episode of the show. So if you guys like what you hear today, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show for more content. We have some more great content coming soon. Uh, a lot of baseball stuff in the coming weeks with spring training getting going, and then some more great guests on. Today, we have a living legend, a man who was on the first season of Survivor and also the 27th season of Survivor. 20, season 27, he got to the end, finished in third place, uh, respectable, was a finalist, did not get any votes, but he had a good run there, uh, 13 years away from the island. And then he was there for the OG Survivor season, um, which... 53 million people watched that live finale. He's a New Jersey guy, big time Philly sports fan. And I know he's itching to talk some Eagles. It's Super Bowl week already. So we're going to talk some Eagles today. We've got the great, never nervous Jervis Peterson. <laughs> I like that intro. That's an intro right there. That's an intro, Jack. That's good. That's good. Oh, it's great to I, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Anyone ever call you Never Nervous Jervis? Oh, yeah. One of my nicknames. Good. Yeah, yeah. Never Nervous. Yeah. It's a lot cooler than Nervous Jervis. So, you know. <laughs> I was thinking Purvis Ellison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody remembers Purvis. Good baller. Purvis he has was. some skills. He, Purvis yeah. has some skills. They slept he, with Purvis. He was a high pick, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. And yet there's Port Jervis in New Jersey, too. Oh. It's spelled J-E-R-V-I-S, though. And then on uh, Blood versus Water, Brad Culpepper was calling you Jarvis. Yeah, it was getting on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever make friends with that guy? Yeah, nah, Brad's a cool dude. I always tell people, you know, it's it's that that was Survivor Brad. You know, Survivor Brad was a jerk, but uh, Brad in real life is a good dude. He's a good dude. He took me out to lunch in Tampa last spring. He's a great guy. Yeah, he love is. him to death. He is. He really is. Like I said, that that was Survivor Brad. He was on a he was on a different mission out there. He's an intense guy. Like he's very focused. If you ever have a conversation with him, even if you're just hanging out, like he's like dialed in. He's locked in. So imagine him in a game like Survivor. What that would bring out, right? Yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah, and that, that's it. Says it dialed it up for him out there. You know, he's just you know he's out there trying to do his thing, and uh, you know that that game affects everybody differently. Well, and of course, Jervis, you're an all-time great trash talker, too. So that was part of it. Yeah, that's how we grew up, man. We grew up talking trash, man. Talking about your moms, everything. Your daddy, your sister, your brother. We talk about the whole family, man. So you had to grow up with a thick skin and uh, be able to take it. And then you had to learn how to dish it out, too. You know, so, yeah, I come from the school of hard knocks when it comes to talking trash. Are people too sensitive these days? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's... The times have changed a lot, but yeah, people are very sensitive, man. You, you can't, everything offends somebody. That's the problem. Everybody's offended by something where, um, you know, we would, like I said, we would say, oh, we talk about your damn mom, man. You know, talk about your mama. And, you know, you, you kind of had to take it in stride. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, we know what crossing the line is, you know, and I, I think that line has been moved a lot, you know. Even just cracking, you know, joking about your sneaks, your hat, your shirt, whatever it is, you know, you had to be able to take that joke and keep it moving. But now you say anything to anybody, it's like, what? You disrespected me. People love to use that word. I think they use it wrong nowadays. You know, 
you say something, you, you make a funny joke about somebody. Oh, you disrespecting me? No, I'm not. I made a joke. You know, it was, it was in jest, so it wasn't disrespectful at all. You know, it was all all a joke. But times have changed. I went to a Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle show out in Phoenix last month. So there were a lot of jokes about how people are like that. And one of the things Chris Rock was talking about was it's like people aspiring. They aspire to being someone who can be offended. It's like yeah. what they want. They want to be able to say, oh, you said this to me. Now I can, you know, tweet about it and get a bunch of attention for it. Yeah, it, it, it's now I can now I can act up. You know, you you started it. Now I can kind of finish it by acting up myself and offending you. Right. So we met, by the way, for those who are listening, we got we got to tell this story. So, you know, we had interacted a little bit like a long time ago, just tweeting, probably talking some smack about sports, playing words with friends. And then we hadn't talked to each other in a long time. Like we didn't know each other that well. We just kind of chatted a little bit here and there. And then our good mutual friend, Mr. Clarence Black from yeah. Survivor Africa, great guy, good friend of mine, good friend of yours. He, he had said, man, Jervis would be a great guest for your show. He's a great guy. He knows his sports. Love Clarence. I'm curious. I want to know first time you met, you remember meeting Clarence. Um, I met Clarence. It was at some charity event. Can't remember what the charity event was, but I met Clarence at a charity event. And, um, if I, if I recall correctly, um, I definitely wanted to meet him. Big fan of him when he was on his season. Um, and, uh, you know, just hit it off right away. You know, and of course, the, you know, sports is such a great thing um, that people can bond over. And uh, you don't even have to like the same team. You know, just the bond and the love of sports. You know, you get to talk trash. You know, and then you got to take that trash talk back because, you know, your team is good one year and it's bad the next. So it goes back and forth. But, yeah, that, that that's my guy right there. C. Black is, is a is a good dude. Um, he's done a lot of good things, too, um, he, you know, in, in the sports world himself now. And, uh, yeah, that, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah, C. Black is the man. Great guy. Love him to death. Funniest Survivor contestant ever, would you say? Hmm. Huh, that's a good one. No, no, he he's not the funniest. He's not the funniest. He 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 he's got some good liners though. He's got some good one liners, but he's not the funniest. Who is the funniest? It's a good question. Who's the funniest on the seasons you were on? Who's uh, Tyson? Tyson, yeah. I mean, Ty Hatch. Tyson is Tyson's up there as one of the funniest. Hatch, now Hatch isn't funny. Hatch isn't funny. <laughs> you. Uh, First season, I mean, I, I'm taking myself out of this. Okay. I would be definitely in the top of funniest. Yes, I but, agree. But uh, I'm going to take myself out. Probably Joel. Joel. Joel's funny. Joel Joel is a great sense of humor, um, very smart, very witty guy, real quick, too. Those guys that are quick, you have to worry about. Because whatever you say, they already have formulated five other responses, and they're just picking which one they're going to use on you. So, uh Joel, Joel from season one, and yeah, Tyson from season 27. Would you agree that women are the next dumbest thing next to cows? No, 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 no. Not at all, man. Not at all, <laughs> not at all man. No, we, we, we put that to bed, man. We, we've let that go. Let that go. I'm sorry, but that was, I mean, it was just so interesting to me because the way that episode presented it, it's like Joel never, we never saw Joel say anything. 
and they said that it was something that you had said, mm-hmm. and then Joel took all the heat for that. Is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, in, in that game, you got to be able to maneuver real quick. You know, every second of every minute of every hour affects the day out there, and I was getting heat for it. You know, I, I, I felt like uh, Jenna was coming after me, and that was her way to get me by using that against me. Um, and like I said, that, that whole situation, you know, we were all telling stories around the campfire. Everybody was joking and laughing, telling stories. I told some stories. They laughed. I made that comment. They all laughed at, at it when I made the course, comment. Yeah. Nobody was offended by that comment when I made the comment. They all agreed with me when I made that comment. <laughs> then the next day, all of a sudden, I've offended people with this comment. You know, and now they're coming after me because of this comment. I'm like, what's going on here? And it was looking bad. So, you know, I had to do the old misdirect, you know, and put it on Joel. Like, look, I, I may have said it, but Joel believes that stuff. And then they all like, yeah, Joel. And it just, just went to Joel and they just ran with it. And I was like, whoo, <laughs> that was close. Yeah. Important. But, you know, it was it's just like, it, it was something that that got blown out of proportion. And, and, and kudos to Jennifer trying to use that against me. You know, that that's a great, great move, you know, get me out the game, put that target on my back. But uh, the Teflon Don was able to survive that one. And poor Joel had, I'm sure that impacted him for a little while in his personal life after the show. I mean, probably not. Joel, okay. Joel, Joel, Joel's a, a, is a smooth guy. Good. And, uh, Joel is very charismatic. You know, that's Captain America right there. The All-American himself. See, I think he was fine. So you and I were going to do one of these podcasts uh, a few months ago. You got a little busy. So Dr. Sean stepped up in your place. I spoke to Dr. Sean. And Dr. Sean was very big on his alphabet strategy. And he was talking about how he was playing dumb the whole time. He He knew that Toggy would vote along with him. It was a way that he could look like the good guy. Was that something you guys saw through the whole time, or do you think it was something else? Nah, that, I, I, listen, if that's Sean's story and he's sticking to it, good for him. I have a different version. Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the alphabet system was <clears throat> Sean's way of not having to actually pick somebody and vote for them. You know, we're all saying, I'm voting for you for this reason. Sean's doing it. Like, look, I didn't vote for you. You just came up in my alphabet system. Your name was next. Trying to absorb himself out of that, which is great. That's smart on his his end. I get that. You're not going to take any heat if people are looking at it like, oh, yeah, my name just came up. So you wouldn't have voted for me if you didn't have to. But no, we're out here to vote for people. So vote, you know, and mean your vote. Own your vote. And I try to explain to Sean this way of if you're going to do this alphabet system, you got to switch it up. You got to go back and forth between Pagang and Tagi, back and forth. One name on our side, next vote. You got to pick somebody on Tagi's side because if you looked at it, everybody's name was the beginning of the alphabet was Pagang, Jervis, Jenna, Greg, Colleen, you know, Joel, five people right there. Or I think Joel was even there at the time, but those four, those are all, you know, Pagan members. His end, Rich, Rudy, Sue, Kelly. They're at the end of the alphabet. So it's like 
that's not even fair. You're, you, to say your alphabet system is fair, it's not fair because we're first, no matter what. You got to go through Pagan before you get to anybody in Tagi. So there were flaws with that system he was doing. Well, that's what he says was the genius of it. How's that genius? It's genius for you because you're protecting your butt. I get it. Yeah, it's genius for you, but it's not genius for us. So you can't pitch that as a genius move to us. You know, it's not because you're you're sending us to the slaughter and you're making sure we go first. So, yeah, genius for you. But and but he, even his own tribe, like Rich was pissed at him, like, yo, pick somebody to vote. Like everybody was telling him that's a bad way to vote, you know. And we're out here to vote. This is what this game's about. So own that. You know, I use that word disrespect. You're disrespecting the game, man. Own this. Own it. And it is what it is at that moment. So he could have did better with that. <laughs> Why didn't Pagong form an alliance earlier? We did. We did. That that's one of the biggest misconceptions about people who watch the show. And uh, thought that we just got picked off one by one and all that kind of stuff. We did form an alliance. It was a small alliance and it was tough. So, like, just from day one, me and Ramona were already, we're never going to vote against each other. We're sticking together. You know, we brought Joel in. That was three. So, and this is like from day one hitting the beach. Like, I'm trying to maneuver these things and make these things happen. And we could only get three in it. You know, BB wasn't going to do it. You know, Gretchen, we could see she was, wouldn't have did it. Greg and Colleen were kind of doing her own thing. And Greg was always a wild card anyway. And uh, Jenna was just too unpredictable for me. You didn't know which way she would go. She might just switch up on you. You know, she was that wild card. So with the three of us, we said, you know, we'll just forge ahead with that. They ended up getting picked off, which was the bad part. But even before that, vote before the merge, me and Joel, we got together. We said, look, we're about to merge five to five. So what would make sense is that we all vote for one person over there. Let's get rid of Rich. Put all of our votes on Rich. I'm like, these guys aren't stupid. They would probably do the same thing. I mean, that's the smart way to play this game right now. You're both going to merge with the same numbers. You go to tribal council, just put all the votes on one person. And our tribe basically told us, if you keep on talking about this and bring it up again, we'll vote you out next. So it's like, what can you do? You know, it, it's tough. So at that moment, me and Joel are like, we can't even discuss this anymore with them because they don't even want to hear it. You know, they want to do something different. So you, now you're kind of just like hands up in the air and, you know, trying to formulate a new plan. So was Gretchen the leader of that? Uh, no, I wouldn't say Gretchen was the leader. They all all the girls agreed with that. You know, they just they felt like they wanted to merge with that tribe of Tagi. Say they liked somebody over there, and they didn't want to vote him out. Now we have to vote out somebody that we like. We don't want to get rid of. And it's like, yeah, if we want to get deeper in this game, we do. You know, I look at it like this: if anybody's going to win a million bucks, I'd rather be somebody from my tribe, not the other tribe. I'm okay losing to somebody on my tribe. I could, I could, I can live with that. But to lose to somebody else from another tribe that you know you could have gotten rid of, that's a little tougher pill to swallow. So that that was my thinking on it. Like we can we could like one of us, we've been together for three weeks out here right now. One of us could walk away with a million if we all just stick together. But uh they didn't want to do it. So I'm curious, that's obviously a misconception, as people say. 
why you know so you had a you had an alliance in pagong but you weren't mm-hmm. able to get the whole group together on the same page with a thing so what's another what are some other misconceptions that people who watched survivor borneo have with the show um geez other misconceptions that they've had uh like well i think one would be one thing i've heard because obviously you hear a lot people are fans they write mm-hmm. about the show whatever one thing that kind of it's it's weird because now the show's been on so long there's right. a whole bunch of people who are just now watching it for the first time so they're kind of tainted by new school survivor so their perspective is like richard was the only person who was playing whereas all you guys were playing you just had different approaches right yeah definitely um and yeah i mean i thought about this game before i just started playing it i already had a plan and a strategy mapped out of my head what i was going to do once i hit the beach out there to play this game um and i, I think rich recognized i mean me and rich have talked about this you know plenty of times after the show was over how um like rich felt that i was playing the game um but my, you know, my, my strategy was different. My strategy was to stay low key, you know, be as they call it under the radar, you know, and then when you have to compete and really dig in, dig in and win these challenges, and then you make it to the end. You know, that was my strategy that worked for me. We, you know, I thought about the alliance thing. I, like I said, I had a three man alliance already in Pagang, so I was trying to carry that over to the merge. Didn't work, but you know. We were all playing the game, but playing it different ways. And uh, everybody had different reasons for playing the game, too. You know, um, for some people, it's a life-changing moment out there. Other people have had a life-changing moment before they even got to that beach. So that game affected everybody in different ways, too, out there. But um, oh, I, there, there were quite a, some, some few things. You know, I wasn't as lazy as they made me out to be out there. Um, things like that, you know, but it just... It's a lot of misconceptions, and the game is a lot different then too because there were no idols, you know, none of those things that could save you. The only thing that could save you out there was you, and the only way you could save yourself is to win immunity, and that's that's a tough game to play, you know. And Kelly's Kelly's proof of that. They wanted to get rid of Kelly, and they couldn't. She won every immunity challenge to the end, and saved herself. Like that's how you play the game. To me, you know, it's like people respect different things at the end of the day. You know, so it's what do you respect? Do you respect a player that does a lot of big moves and makes it to the end? Do you respect somebody whose name never comes up at tribal council? That's that's pretty good. Nobody ever thinks about voting you out. What does that mean? It can mean you're a weak player, so they're not worried about you. Or your social game's that good that you never come up. Because you know what's going on and you're kind of manipulating the game without people knowing you're manipulating the game. So that's what it comes down to now is how do people, what what game do they respect that people play? What type of game are you going to respect that somebody plays out there? Do you respect somebody who does nothing and coasts through to the end? That's a respectable game because they thought they could all pick you off at any time, but they never picked you off. Now you're in the finals, you know. It's a respectable game, too, because everybody underestimated you, which is what always kicks somebody in the butt, <laughs> underestimating people. you In any sport, you underestimate your opponent, you lose. So that that's a great strategy if you can pull that off. So 
there's a lot of different ways to play this game. And uh, it's about what do you respect when you're sitting on that other side to vote for somebody to be a millionaire. And you guys had the opportunity to really make the show whatever it could be. I mean, you guys were so successful that they made a season two. But they, um, I mean, I was just thinking, though, like what you're talking about. The end of the day, I think that's something that I've personally lost interest in Survivor in the last few years. I haven't watched anymore. Do you still watch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I watch every season. You still watch. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, now it seems like there are a lot of, there's a lot more like, okay, you played an idol, you voted out this person, like, let's put that on your scorecard. And I, I don't think any of that's necessary. At the end of the day, it's, you know, how can you get that jury vote? It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter how what game you play. So I feel like there's kind of more pressure for people to play more of a bold strategic game when, or not, everyone's strategic. I'm saying more, I shouldn't say strategic, but like a bold, like, big, gonna, moves. big moves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that... But the game has to evolve. You know, uh, I know, you, you know, you hear some fans say they wish it would go back to the old ways, but it can't. It can't. And if it went back to that way today, uh, your favorite player wouldn't survive. Because, again, if you don't win immunity, you're going home. Like, with no idol, no, you know, any kind of thing to save you. Like, you're, you're done. So, and just like in sports. You know, basketball has evolved over the years. Football has evolved. They're changing the rules again year after year. So you do that to keep the game fresh, to keep it interesting, you know, and, and to keep it going forward. You got to keep the game moving forward. And to your strategy, by the way, Mark Burnett has said on record several times that he thought you had the best strategy in the first season of Survivor, and he thought you were going to win because – you played cards with everyone, just kind of hung out and had good relationships with people. Yeah. I mean, that was the plan. You know, it's, <clears throat> I think the best way to win this game is you have to connect with everybody, no matter what level it is. It's you find something in common with that person, you bond over it and you grow that relationship from there because there's a lot of, a lot of weight to having a friend out there. You know, and again, having people like you, you know, me and Joel <clears throat> from season one, it's like, you know, we're the two athletes out here. We bonded over that, you know, me and, you know, Je uh, Ramona bonded from being from New Jersey. You know, like, yeah, we're both from Jersey. Something to bond over. You know, me and Jenna had kids. Something to bond over. Like every person you find something to bond over and you grow your relationship from there. And uh, just being cool with everybody. Why would somebody want to vote you out? You know, you and you always had if you're cool with everybody in your tribe, you know, somebody's gonna to want to protect you. Even if somebody now wants to bring your name up, you have somebody to protect you, you know. So that it, it for I said for season one, I think I thought it was a great strategy to have. And uh it's a little bit different now. Like I said, it's a little bit harder now doing it that way, the way the game is played today, but back then. I thought it was a great strategy, and it, it almost worked perfectly. And you voted for Kelly. Uh, did your vote actually change after Sue's speech? No. No, going into that, um, I was knew I was voting for Kelly, and for that reason of Kelly winning those immunity challenges, knowing that everybody wants to get you. And I was in that situation. I knew if I lost immunity, I was going home, and I did. You know, lost immunity, lost that one challenge. 
and I'm out the game. So to see Kelly being in that situation and then winning challenge after challenge, it's like, if you lose, you're going home. You know that, right? It's like, yeah, I know that. Oh, I won, though. If you lose another one, though, you're going home. You know that, right? It's like, yeah, I know. Oh, I won again. <laughs> you know, to me, that's that's great. All the odds are against you. You know, that's, it's, it's five against one. And you beat them all out to be sitting there at the end. She deserved that. For season one, I felt she deserved it. I get it with Rich, you know, creating that alliance and, and keeping it together. But he did. Kelly was in her alliance and she jumped ship, you know. So it's like that's easy to gang up on somebody, you know. I'm, you know, I'm from the Philly area, you know. Rocky, it's the Rocky story. <laughs> Kelly was the underdog, you know. All the odds were against her. She should not win this game. And she didn't, but that's why she got my vote. She definitely deserved it. That that's a that's a player in this game. To me, that's one of the greatest players that ever played this game, and she really set a precedence for me doing that season one. That's awesome to hear. And you mentioned the five against one and kind of that run she went on. It's kind of like New Jersey, St. Peter's Peacocks last year as a 15 seed getting the <laughs> Elite Eight. <laughs> Listen, man. Oh, oh it. All you need is to believe. That's that's what it comes down to. You got to believe you could do something. And when your back's against the wall, you realize, as they always say, you're tougher than you are. You know, I, you know, Kelly probably realized that. You know, she can do this. You know, and and you win one. Oh, Texas won. You win one immunity challenge. Like, okay, you win another. Like, now I'm now it's I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get to the end. So yeah, it, 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 it's like that. The underdog story, man. We love that. We love the good underdog. Um, fortunately for Kelly's sake, she came up one vote short. There has been a long-time rumor that you have the chance to dispel, dispel right now. Um, someone brought this to my attention. I actually hadn't even heard it. You might not have even heard it. Uh, but this rumor that Mark Burnett pulled the jury and said, told everyone to vote for Richard Hatch. True or false? Not to my knowledge. He didn't pull me to the side. I'll say that much. <laughs> he didn't pull me to the side. Did you feel that there was any kind of producer influence and in anything on that first season of Survivor? No, I, I, I don't think so. You know, I can only speak from my perspective. No. I, yeah, in I, your own experience. You know what it is? It, it's funny, but that's just how things work, man. Things work out that way. You know, we, we going in, even going into that show, you know, we were looked at as the young you know, MTV tribe, you know, <laughs> and they were looked at as the older tribe who was more serious and things like that. So everybody thought we were going to just crush him in every challenge. And we believe that too. We believe we were going to crush Tagi in every challenge. We go out there the first challenge and win. And it's like, yeah, we're going to do this every time. You know, we win the second challenge. There's a second challenge we did that they never showed on TV. Oh, we really? That, yeah, we won that second challenge. And then the third challenge, we lost. And then we started going back and forth. It was like, any challenge that looked like we should have won, we lost. And the challenge that looked like we shouldn't win, we won. And that's just how life works. You know, uh, the producers didn't need to put a hand into that to make those things happen. I had also heard that the first tribal council you guys attended was a little wild. Uh, did you guys try to vote out Jeff Probst? Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. It didn't go over well, but we tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we tried to do that. You know, we, we just, it was, 
Jeff wanted that to be so serious that moment, and I get it. it you know, and it was a serious moment too because we got to move somebody out. But uh, we just, you know, we just tried to have a little fun with it and lighten a moment for us because it it, it was scary going there because you don't know what's about to happen, what's about to go down. Um, you know, it's it's one of the things. It's like, you know, can we lighten this mood a little bit somehow, some way? But uh, yeah, we definitely tried to vote Jeff out. So you guys went up to vote and like the did the majority of you guys write down Jeff and then like he read the votes, got mad and like they <laughs> yelled at you and stuff. It was a redo. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you yeah. guys think would happen? Just that he, basically that? We didn't know. We didn't know what would happen. You know, <laughs> you know, again, being out, you you're just that that show takes a toll on you, you know, mentally, you know, and you know, you're just look, let's have some fun. You know, let's have some fun. Let's mess around here. You know, you're not really thinking about the consequences too much. You're just thinking about can we have some fun? You know, <laughs> you're just trying to do some things to have some fun out there. Can we make this big move, keep our tribe intact, get rid of the host? And then there's no host for the rest of the season. And then one of you guys becomes the host uh, for season two. There you go. It's a good plan right there. That's a good plan. <laughs> and there's no plan. Jeff Probst ever. Yeah, that's a good plan right there. I like that one. <laughs> so, okay. So you go on the show. First of all, I'm curious, how'd you get on? What how what led you to being on a reality TV show? Uh, my brother saw it uh, online, printed out the application, mailed it to me, and, you know, told me, he think I'd be perfect for this show. So, you know, filled out the application, went through the whole interview process, and, you know, lo and behold, got picked to be on the show, which is pretty crazy. It's really cool. So you're just kind of like, this seems like a good time. I'm all, I'm up for the adventure. No, I mean, a million dollars to the winner. Yeah. It's like a one in 16 chance of being a millionaire. I'll never have those odds again in my life. So it was like, yeah, you got to do that. Absolutely. You know, and then, you know, the adventure part, yeah, that, that was a big part of it, too. You know, who, who doesn't want a great adventure? And to also, you know, prove how tough I am to myself. You know, I think we all think we're tough. We all can handle ourselves in a certain situation. But now's a chance to find out. You know, now's a chance to find out what you can really do, how tough you really are physically and mentally, you know, and how are you going to handle yourself out there? So all of that was just so intriguing to me. I was like, I got to do this. Glad you did it. I mean, it's cool because you went out there. You were kind of billed as like the city boy who hadn't been in the woods very much. Mm -hmm. And um, then, of course, you smoked Kelly in that in the canoe challenge. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, were there any other random skills that you were found yourself to be good at that you had no experience doing out in the survival? Um, I mean, really just just being out there on that island. Um, like I said, I've never been hiking, camping, fishing, hunting, didn't have to swim at the time, you know, so to go out there, uh, we had one chance to hold my breath for over three minutes, you know, stuff like that. It's like, you don't know what you can do until you're put in that situation. And, uh, you know, just very determined, you know, just being an athlete and things like that and, and wanting to win, no matter what I'm doing, you know, I always want to win and succeed in it. So, you know, I know how to push myself and uh, give it everything that I have. I know how to empty the tank, you know, when I'm doing something. So 
things like that. Yeah, it's just like holding your breath for over three minutes, beating Kelly, you know, in a boat race, and I've never rode a boat before in my life. Things like that, you know, it's just I got to figure this out and figure it out real fast, you know, and, and get out there and just do it. Um, and just, you know, honestly, just making it as far into the game that I did, you know, even though I had a plan and a strategy, you don't know if it's going to work. And then once you get out there, you realize that, like I said, every second of every minute of every hour affects the day. Like you do one thing wrong, that could be it for you. So you have to be very flexible and be able to maneuver things real like on the fly. Like as soon as it goes wrong, oh, so you got to have a plan A through Z. And that's what, what I do. Like I have a plan. I have a backup plan for the backup plan for the backup plan. You know, I'm, I got to say, and I always say that, you know, my friends and family, like ABP, always be prepared. You know, it's like going into a situation, you know, try to plan for every bad thing that could happen. So when it happens, you're not thrown off, you know, you're not so thrown off by that. You're like, oh, I was prepared that this could go wrong this way. And then you could just keep it moving. So that, those type of things, you know, I definitely surprised myself. You know, and, and that was cool. Like I said, that's why I went out there to see, you know, what I could do out there, how I could handle myself. So definitely surprised myself and was definitely proud of the way I played that first season. And you guys were suddenly huge celebrities right mm-hmm. after you come off that show. I, I have to think that had to be a, at least a little bit surprising. Uh, for, for some people, yes. Not for me. Um because that, that was my goal. You know, I wanted to be an actor. So I was trying to get on TV already. I was studying acting for a few years before I even got on Survivor. So for me, it was, you know, th- the goal was to be on TV. And, you know, if you're on TV, what comes with that is that whole celebrity side of it. So I was prepared for it. Um, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, this is what you were uh, striving for to achieve. And then it happened. So it was like, all right, cool. This, this is it. Like, we're, we're here. We made it. You know, this was the goal and we got here. Yeah, Clarence had told me when he got off, he had an interesting story. He just wanted to kind of get away from his job for a little while. Go on. A, he, he had said his funny was he said he wanted to go on the trashiest reality show because he's like, Survivor wouldn't cast me. No way. Like, I want to go on the trashiest show because there's so there's so many reality shows at that time. Right. And the show he thought of was Big Brother. He's like, nothing's more trashy than Big Brother in the year 2001. And he applies for Big Brother and they say, we want you on Survivor. And I think that was probably the first time that they had technically recruited someone who was supposed to be on because they didn't he didn't apply for survivor. He applied for right. big brother. They recruit him for survivor. And then after the show ended, Mark Burnett, like says to him, I don't know if this is at after he gets voted out. I don't know if this is at uh finale show, but he says, look, you're going to have a lot of opportunities, make good choices. This show is going to give you a lot of opportunities. And that's how he has been able, he's used that to establish himself as he's had a great career in sports mm-hmm. radio and sports broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it, kudos. Like I said, kudos to Clarence, man. Smart man. Smart guy. But uh, <laughs> that's a good story. That I didn't know that, that he applied for Big Brother. <laughs> Can you imagine my Big Brother? That that show's tough, man. That 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 show is definitely tough. Uh, season two, we went in there into the house for like three days. Yeah, that's right. Me and three other survivors. And um, 
Yeah, that's a tough show, man, because you're in there for three months, man. That's yeah, I, I would say that that's a tough show to do. Um, Survivor's a different monster, but just being in that house for three months, you know, kudos to the Big Brother fam because they 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 go through it too. And I can't overstate how big of a phenomenon that first season was and how you guys were celebrities. So I'm curious to know, like, who were some big-time celebrities that you got to know or maybe pal around with a little bit after you were on the show? Ah, jeez, man. Almost everybody at that time. Yeah. I mean, that was back in 2000. So anybody who was hot in 2000, like, I came across their paths, man, from um, – in sync to <laughs> Britney uh, Spears, Ice Cube, yeah, met Britney Spears, all of them, Christina Aguilera. Um, man, trying to who, who else was popular back then? Uh, DL Hughley well, was was a really cool dude. Met DL, became friends with DL. Um, Matt Damon, he was pretty big still then. I, I no, I didn't mean Matt Damon, but I met Ben Affleck. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of people, man. Like the DiCaprio. Lakers, met, met the Lakers back then. The captain, I didn't meet DiCaprio, but Tobey Maguire, um, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, like I said, just a lot of people back then definitely uh, crossed paths with them. Was that like, I don't know, I think a lot of people have some kind of experience where at first, maybe they when they meet some people, they're like, oh my gosh, like there's this person. And then if they meet a couple, they're just like, oh, these are just normal people. Was it like that? Or did you feel like kind of starstruck by anyone? No, no, nah, they, they are definitely normal people. Um, it, that's the funny thing. You know, they do the same things we do. You know, they eat the same things we <laughs> eat. They like the same things we like, except they just make a whole lot more money than us. Um <laughs> And, and that that's what it is. But, there, I mean, you can see certain people, you know, there's something about them. That, that it factor, as they say, you can see it. Um, you know, met Jennifer Lopez, and it was, you could see it on her. Like, she was glowing. Like, there's something about that woman right there. But, uh, yeah, man, they're, they're all, they were all cool, too. Like, everybody that I met was actually really cool, too. You know, I, I, I didn't meet anybody that I thought was a, a jerk or an a-hole or anything like that. Everybody was just always, to me anyways, I can say that. They were always cool with me. They were always nice to me. Um, yeah, down Jimmy Fallon, um, you know, just everybody. They're, everybody was just cool and nice. So that was a cool thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember Hatch was, they, they wanted him to host Saturday Night Live, but he couldn't contractually do it because of CBS. Yeah. Different network. You know, <laughs> yeah. That, that'll get you. Were you f friends with any Philly sports athletes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When I came back home, man, you know that that whole run of two thousand through, geez, till two thousand and ten. You know, just the football. You know, the football team, baseball team. You know, the hockey team, all the sports, basketball. You know, I was cool with a, a lot of the athletes in Philly. You know, Don McNabb was real cool with Don um, and everything. So, yeah, just, you know, that, you know, being a sports guy, you know, just wanted to meet them, you know, and uh, had the opportunity to meet them all. And the, and the same, same thing, they were all cool, you know, had a lot of fun. 
um, just hanging out with them. I used to, used to do my own charity event and uh, they would come through and support and things like that. So yeah, a lot of cool people. That's really cool. And that seems like there's kind of like a Philly contingency of New Jersey, Philly people you still hang out with from Survivor and other reality shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got yeah, we got we got a Philly connect there, you know. Um a lot of you know, Russ Swan, Wendell, Bryce, Ramona, um, you know Sari, right? And she's New Jersey. Is she New Jersey? She's New Jersey, yeah. She must be North Jersey. Oh, she she's in Connecticut now. She's from oh, Jersey City. She's though. from Jersey, but yeah. So yeah, we, you know, we, we got a little connect here that you know we all talk, um, get together wherever we get a chance to get together, all that kind of stuff. Wendell's the mayor, so he runs that now. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's the guy right there. So yeah, you coming through Philly, you know, hit us up. We'll show you a good time. All right, for sure. Yeah, hopefully I'll get out to a Phillies game this year. I haven't been to the Citizens Bank Park yet. Yeah, great place, man. Great place. Great season last year. Yeah, man. Great season. Fans are great. Great season. You know, it. You know that that's the goal every year is to go to the World Series, man. And, and it started off rough. <laughs> you know, started off rough, and it, it it just clicked. You know, and that and that's what it takes, man. It takes everything just to click. And when it clicked, it did, and and they were rolling, man. And it was, you know, we we thought we were getting that one. Definitely thought we were getting that one, but you know, that's the plan this year. Same thing, you know, get, you know, get in there, put the right pieces together, and hopefully everything clicks. Well, I think two things that happened last year. Number one, they expanded the postseason, so you get an extra postseason team in. So I think mm -hmm. this is going to change how some teams build their rosters because I think when you had before you had two wild card spots, and now you have three wild card spots. There's a greater importance of like, we have to build this regular season juggernaut that's going to win 100 games and is going to have a sustained period where we can be really good for several years, like the Dodgers have done and like the Braves have done. But now, you know, last year, 87 wins. That's all it took. Just get in. You can get hot at the right time. And I thought what the Phillies, part of their formula that worked so well is, I mean, they had bats, guys who could heat up and click, and there was a lot of chemistry there, but also just to have those two pitchers with Nola and uh, with uh, Wheeler. So if you have two aces in those first couple series, you play that best of three series, the best of five series, you really only need two great pitchers for those short series. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like you said, that's the key about, it's just building the right team, you know, and even though you get the, you think you have the right players, it's got to click. It's all about clicking. And, and everybody be able to just mesh together the right way. Um, and that, you know, that's what you need a good GM for. You know, they, they, you know, we as fans think we know who's best for this team all the time, you know, or you want a certain player. But you see it all the time. You know, it's like, you know, if your team picked a certain player, would they really play that well here? Or did they play well because of the situation that they were in the other team that they played on, you know, and it's, uh, you got to look deeper into it a lot of times when those things happen. Um, you know, like, even like Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, you know, that that's a, a perfect situation. Like, you know, you got Carson, you know, doesn't pan out. So you're going to Jalen and look, everybody wrote him off last year. You know, everybody, there was not once, you know, of the experts that said that this guy, would be a good quarterback. 
They're like, get rid of him now. Draft somebody else. He can't throw the ball. He doesn't have a strong arm. He's not accurate. They The list of things. And, you know, Jalen put in that work to prove everybody wrong. Well, I'm glad that I have a podcast because people can go back to me from two years ago when I was talking about how I believed in Jalen Hurts, and a lot of people didn't. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed like when they drafted him in the second round, I saw like 70% negative reaction to that, mm-hmm. like 30% positive. Yeah, no, it definitely was. And no, no different when they drafted McNabb. You know, everyone they wanted Ricky Waters, you know? And and it's like, and that goes it like, Look what happened with Ricky Ward's career. You know, if he was here with us, would have happened the same way, though. Maybe he would have been great for us, but maybe not. Maybe it would have been worse. You, you, you just don't know. But, you know, the, like I said, the fans think they know what's best for the team, and, and they know who they want for the team. But, you know, that's the GM's job. That, that's Howie's job. Howie's supposed to make those choices. And, how he's been crushing it, man. He's been making the right decisions, getting the right players, you know, wheeling and dealing to make these things happen. And look what they're sitting pretty right now, headed to the Super Bowl. They are uh, – we're here now. We're talking Super Bowl. Philly Eagles are in the Super Bowl again. First time since 2018. Only other time in my lifetime they made the Super Bowl was what year? 1980. I'm right? not that old. And I – oh, jeez. Made me feel bad then. <laughs> I'm 28. I was oh, born in geez. 94. Make me feel bad. Uh, <laughs> what was that? When, when, when they played it, uh, that was what, 20? 04. Yeah. Jeez. That was the T.O. team. Oh, yeah. Damn. It seems it doesn't even seem that long ago. It seems I know. earlier than that. Later than yeah. that. Yeah, it seems a lot later than that. It's been that long. Whew. I know. And the Patriots, they won those three Super Bowls. That was the last one. And they won three more, like, over a decade later. Mm-hmm. But, my goodness, that team was fun to watch in 04. But T.O., he had the – he got the um, – I remember that. Was it Roy Williams on the Cowboys who yanked him by the horse collar? Horse collar broke his leg. Yeah. And then – so they had him, like – not at all for the playoffs. Did he play in that Super Bowl? I can't even remember. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he came back just in time to play in the Super Bowl. So Leg it was, was like Leg was not one hundred percent healed, but he came back and played anyway. But McNabb was relying on like Todd Pinkston, Freddie Mitchell, yeah. James uh, Thrash. Thrash. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, look, it's funny. It seemed like back then the Eagles never prioritized the wide receiver until they got To. You know, they thought they could just get anybody in there um, with a good quarterback and that would be enough. But you saw year after year, and especially with other teams who had studs. And, again, there are exceptions to the rule. Tom Brady, you know, is that exception who didn't need the stud receiver and could still put up numbers. But, you know, our team, we need a stud receiver. You need the guy. And you need the quarterback to throw to the guy that's going to catch that ball. So, you know – T.O. T.O. gave us – it was great. And it was great that year to have T.O. to see what you could do with a a great number one receiver, you know. So to see now that they went out and got A.J. Brown, you know, and then drafted the number one draft pick, the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, to get Devontae Smith. Yeah, Yeah, that's huge. So you you have the one-two punch. And, I mean, people are still wondering if Devontae would develop into a good receiver after his first year. But you see, like, this guy – there's a reason he won the Heisman, you know, like this guy is a stud. 
he had the best receiver. He may have had the best receiver of any or best year of any receiver in college football ever. I mean, it was like up there with 03 Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, there was another one. I can't remember who it was, but I mean, it was just like he was dominant. They don't give receivers the Heisman anymore either. Yeah. Tells so, so yeah. So just to know that you have that now and you just know he's only going to get better, you know, that's just crazy. So, you know, it's, it's looking good right now. We're very, uh, we're feeling good here, you know, about our team. We, you know, it's just, you hope we win it this year, you know, next week we get this win and hope that we can sustain this, you know, they got to get jail in a contract. It's going to eat up a lot of money. So you figure you're going to lose a lot of players that way. It happens to everybody. It happens to Mahomes, you know, when he got his contract, things like that. So you see that happens. But how he's been, how he's been a genius as of late. So we're hoping that he's got a plan in place to retain people or he's got his eye on other people to plug in. Well, they've been so fun to watch. Honestly, I was I've talked about this probably on this show before, but also with friends. The NFL games, I've noticed. There's a big drop-off between watching a game between two really good teams and then watching a game with only one really good team or two not good teams. Like, there's been a lot of bad football. So mm-hmm. I've noticed this year there's certain teams that I feel like, you know, yeah, and maybe maybe even if they are pl- aren't playing someone who's very good, they're fun to watch. And the Eagles are in that category for me. They're, they're one of the teams that if they were on – I was going to watch. I was not going to watch the Cowboys every week. They, they try to force feed me these Cowboy games. I don't want to watch them that much. No, the Cowboys suck, man. We all know that. <laughs> Cowboys suck. This team is trash. <laughs> yeah, we hate the Cowboys. I know. I was setting you up there. Yeah, we hate the Cowboys. Man. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to bash them too much. But they no, suck. I want you to bash them. Uh, that, that team is horrible, man. That this and. Look, they have a, a clueless owner uh, and Jerry Jones, Whoa. you know, uh, let's call it what it is. Dak isn't that great. You know, he's been hyped up to be that great, but Dak isn't that great. Dak is a serviceable quarterback, you know, and he, he has some talent around him. And you're going to look better with talent around you without a doubt. But you lost some talent and we're seeing, you know, the real Dak. You know, Zeke is washed up. Nothing there. Your, your best running back just broke his leg. You know, hopefully he comes back for that. You look, I don't want him to get hurt like that. You know, hopefully he comes back. But Tony Powell's putting in that work. You know, defense was there, so-so. Offensive line is not what it used to be. They used to have a dominant offensive line. Yes. Dominant. That was the key to Dex's success early in his career was they had the best offensive line in the league yeah, by man. a mile. I mean, they would just bruise people. But it, it, it they don't have that anymore, man. And, you know. That that star has been shining a long time, man. So, <laughs> you know that that team is a, they're a bunch of frauds, man. That team's a bunch of frauds, and and they're they're stuck with Dak now. So it's great until Dak leaves. We got these many more years to enjoy watching what they do. It's wash, rinse, and repeat. You know? <laughs> they 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 talk all the trash before the season starts. They win a couple games and stick their chest out. You know, they get to the playoffs, trip up, and then they're done, and it's over. It's on the next year. <laughs> rinse and repeat, same thing every year. Watch, rinse and repeat, same thing every year. We seen this <laughs> movie. We know how this movie ends. We've seen it before. We know how this movie ends. So, wh- how do they get out of it? Do they need a new owner? Is that where it starts? I mean, it it's it, it's a good start. 
the new owner or a, a good GM. You got to get a good GM. You know, the, well, you yeah, the that. owner wants the owner is the GM. <laughs> so there you go. You got to get rid of the owner who is the GM also. So yes, you got to get rid of them both. Um, it starts there, and it starts with getting a good coach too. You know, they've and they've had good coaches come through there, but you know, it's it's all got to come together the right way. You know, they got to. It starts with the quarterback too. You know, you have to have a good quarterback. You know, and uh, doesn't look like Dak's that quarterback. You know, he's so. overpaid. Overpaid. Like it, you said it earlier, when you got that guy in the rookie contract, he can. That's fine if he plays as as well as he plays now, um, because then you have forty million dollars in resources to build your team. Right. But when you give the guy that big contract, he has to be a top top 10 quarterback. And I don't know. Do you think Dak's a top 10? Maybe at the back end of the top 10 or no? No. No, I don't I don't think he is. You know, but look, I'm, I'm, the, can Dak play the position? Yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. But Dak won't lead you. He, look, they, we call him, he's the black Kirk Cousins. Like, <laughs> he, he, you're only going to get so much out of him. He's only going to take you so far. You know, if you want to make the playoffs, okay, cool. He can get you the playoffs. He gets you one game, and that's that. You know, that's it. it. You're not going any further than that. So if that's what your goal is every year, cool. You got the right quarterback. Well, let that's me ask you is. this. Let me ask you this. I live in Chicago. I'm actually a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, which you probably don't like. Wow. That's but cool. I, I live in Chicago. Right now, Bears have the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. They can take – Bryce Young out of Alabama, they could go with Justin Fields. What would you do? Man, y'all got a stud quarterback. Y'all got to protect him. Justin is the truth. He's the truth. The dude has a cannon for an arm, <clears throat> big, strong, has all the physical attributes, and can run the rock. He can run, too. Like, is he, same thing, he needs weapons. Got to give him some weapons. And you got to get, get him an O-line to protect him. That's where it starts. You know, if you can keep that dude upright and not taking as many hits, that first year, you know, he almost had his block knocked off that first year. Like, he was getting beat up. And you can't do that to your quarterback. Quarterback can't get beat up like that. So they they need to use those picks to get a line, protect that quarterback. You know, you can, like I said, you want to get talent around them in the receiving core, you know, in the running back. But you can have halfway decent guys back there. And he can, you can still do things with it. You know, we see it every year. But and those halfway decent guys can turn into studs too. You know, so but you got to protect them with a line. So let me ask you about the games from the past weekend. So we had a really sad game to watch in that earlier slate. I mean, it was happy for you as an Eagles fan, I'm sure. But just yeah. to see two injured quarterbacks, it was great. Got- <laughs> it was beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. We put that quarterback out. That quarterback doesn't get hurt. We put him out the game. That's what you're supposed to do, right? You don't think they're trying to put Jalen Hurts out of the game when they play when any team plays us. They're trying to hurt Jalen. Look, those shots Jalen takes, the, the, the push out of bounds. Jalen's clearly out of bounds and they push him. You're trying to hurt my quarterback. That's what you're trying to do. Well, look, that's what it is. But we do ours the right way. So um, it reminded me of when I used to play Madden in my buddy's dorm room. This is like eight years ago. And we had this Madden game. It was like Madden 13 or Madden 14. 
And something I figured out, all these video games, especially older ones, there's always some kind of glitch or something you can figure out. So one thing I would always do is I would be blitzing him and I would always take my defensive end and just dive on top of him after he threw the ball. <laughs> I did it every single play and I get blown like one roughing the passer penalty the whole game and he would throw picks he would uh, – his quarterbacks would get hurt, and that actually happened one time where I think I injured all three of his quarterbacks and he had to suit up his punter. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. But that was a great game, man. That was the best game of the weekend, man. Stop that. That game wasn't sad. That game was beautiful. That's a great game. I mean, it's a great game. You know why? You, you know why that game was so great? Because the Cowboys couldn't beat him. With the same crew, the Cowboys well, couldn't beat them. Cowboys couldn't beat that team. They couldn't injure their quarterbacks. Look, you got to have a good defense to do that, you know? And it's great because for that. Cowboys played them. They couldn't beat them. It was great because this is the number one defense in the league, and they've been talked about and hyped up and all this stuff. And they were. Stats said it. The numbers showed it. Cool. But you're disrespecting my team, man. Come on. Like, we got a good defense, too, here. We got a great offense here. Number one offense. Like, so you got the one offense, number one defense. Something's going to happen, you know. And we showed improve again. They've been, uh, they've been sleeping on us all year. All the experts have been talking that trash on us all year. And we just, every day, we go about our business. Every week, we continue to just beat up on people. And... You know, it should be any different in the Super Bowl. I want you to just go off on all the haters right now. Man, it, it, listen, <laughs> I'm not even going to do that. It, you know what? We're going to show and prove. We've been, we've been quiet all year. We've been doing it all year, handling our business. Like our quarterback, he just handles his business. He, he said he'll smile once he wins the Super Bowl. He'll smile. He ain't going to smile until he gets that Super Bowl. It's about business. But they've been sleeping on us all year. They don't want to see us win it. They don't want that. Because then we're going to talk a lot of trash. They don't want that. <laughs> they don't hear that trash talk. They couldn't say that we wanted to a couple years ago. They don't want to hear that trash talk. They don't want to hear that. Were you out in the streets when they won the Super Bowl last time? Were you experiencing any of no, that? No, I went to the parade. I didn't get out in the streets. But I went to definitely went to the parade. And that was incredible. That was, that was really dope. Okay, really so dope. the parade was cool. There were videos. It felt like I was watching a, an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. How crazy <laughs> these guys were. The guys eating the horse poop and just like people climbing the street poles, which people climb the street poles when it comes to winning the World Series here. So it's not like that's not a Philly exclusive thing. But it, listen, man, it, it's listen, we've waited a long time for this. I mean, you got to understand, you know, as an Eagles fan, you know, we've never seen ourselves win a Super Bowl. You're going to them, never won. And it look, I'm not going to lie. You start thinking that you may never live long enough to see it. You know, you just want to see one. That's all you ask for. And to finally do that and to finally get it and win it, man, it, it was the best feeling ever. Um, you know, words can't even express how great that felt. And now to have an opportunity to come back like five years later and do it again, like that, you know, we know how hard that is, you know, so, you know, we're, we're very appreciative of this team. Like, so that's why we love our team so much. You know, we, we saw the work that not only the office did, 
to get these players, but the players did to get better. Jalen is, like I said, that example, you know, I can't deny it. Jalen, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Jalen last year. He is he didn't have the accuracy. He couldn't throw the deep ball. All those things. I, I'm not going to, you know, act like those things were true. I was one of the people saying those things about him. But he put the work in, and that's what we wanted. Just Jalen, you got to put that work in. He did. And now he's showing improvement. And that, now we love that, man. That That's what this city's about, man, working hard. And, uh, you know, you know we're, we're just excited, man. Can't wait for Sunday to get here. It's taking too long, but it's going to get here soon. <laughs> I asked Kyle Kendrick one time. Kyle, of course, pitched for that 08 Phillies team that won the yeah. World Series. His wife is Stephanie LaGrosa from Survivor. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever met her. Yes, I have. Philly yes. girl. Yes, Philly girl. She's great. Yeah, she's uh, she's a good friend of mine. She's been on the show a lot. But Kyle, I asked him one time about the Philly fans because – Everyone's always talking about they booed Santa Claus, they're tough fans, and that's true. But he, he said that something he doesn't think gets talked about enough is if you do perform well in Philly, you're beloved. Mm -hmm. This they These fans are great, they're passionate, they love you if you perform. And he thinks that that kind of like the, the more respectful, like kind of that um, joyful side – isn't represented or talked about enough because people kind of zone in on the negative. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, look at Iverson. Iverson never won us anything. He is beloved in this city and will be till the day he dies. You know, like, yes, because why? He put that work in. That guy came to play every game and laid it all out there every game. That's all we ask for here. You know, hard work, put it in. You know, come show up. And, and do your best. That's it. Give it your all. That's all we ask. Give it your all. 2010, I went to Allen Iverson's last career game. Nice. It was at the United Center in Chicago. They're playing the Bulls. He had, for those who might not remember, he got uh, traded to the Nuggets, right? That was the, He got traded to the Nuggets, and then Nuggets traded him to the Pistons. And then he was like, picked up by the Grizzlies for a little bit. And then I think he got waived and the Sixers picked him back up yep. and that ended up being his last year. So I went to a game. I had these great tickets that someone had given to me where I was sitting right next to the tunnel. So all the players are running out and we get to see guys. I was in the second row. We're seeing warmups. Andre Godala was hitting every single three in warmups. And I was just like, so he can shoot open threes, I guess. <laughs> that was one of my takeaways. The second was they're all running out, and I like stick my hand out. I'm high fiving guys. You know, Elton Brand was super nice. He signed an autograph for me. And I'm like 15 years old, so I'm still a kid, really. And uh, Iverson is coming out a little slower. He's not kind of running out as much, but he's. I, I put my hand out for a high five. He shakes his head and he goes, "No, fist bump." Fist bump. So then he he gave me a fist bump before he went out on the court. This is something I'll never forget. That's pretty cool, man. That's a good story. <laughs> that's a good story. <laughs> AI. That's the man. He was awesome. He was yeah, so man. fun to watch. That was my childhood when he was at the top of his peak in the early 2000s. That was every single kid, white kids, wanted cornrows. <laughs> yeah, he changed the game, man. Like I said, very, you know, not a lot of players can do that. And he was one of the players that just changed the game of basketball. He would be, 
he'd be even better now because the game's not as physical now as it used to be. Yeah. Well, maybe. He ain't like to practice. So, <laughs> you know, never know. Okay, so then on the other side, we got that Chiefs-Bengals game. Was that game rigged, Jervis? I mean, look, we, 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 we've seen all the stuff that was out there about that. So, but, um, uh, I mean, look, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm saying it's rigged. You know what I'm saying? You know, missing calls that are right in front of them, things like that. But, you know, I, there's like, like they always get a lot of plays left on the field. You know, there are opportunities that, you know, plays could have been made that uh, could have helped the Bengals out. But, you know, I don't care. Could have been rigged or not. No matter who it is, they got to come to Philly. They got to come see us. They got to come see this squad. You know, they can try to do all they can do to stop it. They can't stop it. This this squad is too dominant on both sides of the ball. Too what's, dominant on both sides of the ball. What's going to happen next Sunday? What's our score? We put up 30. We put up 30 on everybody. We put up 30 on them. And they won't have 30. They'll be 20 or less. So 31 to 20? We'll probably get another touchdown at that. So 38. 38-20. Yeah. 38-20. I think I'll go. I I kind of like it like a 30. I'll take the 31 points. I actually think that's a good number. I'll say 31-21. I think they win by 10. So it's not a blowout, but it's not a nail biter either. That's my prediction. It's time. It's just time to wrap all this up, man. Wrap all this up. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's a good team for us to play too. You know they got they got a great quarterback who can do a lot of good things. Um, you know ho- I'm I'm hoping he's healthy, hoping that ankle's healed up for him. You know because uh, you know you want to see the best, the best he has to offer. But uh, you know we'll be ready, man. You know Coach Sirianni's had this team prepared for every game they've gone into. Yeah, some games haven't looked great and all that kind of stuff, but you know under Jalen's watch, you know. He, he's done a phenomenal job. So, you know, that that's what we need. We need our quarterback, you know, 100% or as close to it as he can get and, and out there just to do the thing. What are your feelings towards Andy Reid? We love Big Red. Love Andy Reid. Yeah, man, he, he did a lot when he was here. He never got us a chip, though, so, you know. Four straight NFC Championship games. Yeah, man. You, you know, you you got to be able to get over that hump, man. He had plenty of opportunities to do it. And the t- those teams were good that he had. Those teams were real good that he had. You know, so, you know, nothing but love for Big Red, but he getting his ass whooped. That's all. <laughs> ain't nothing personal. Ain't nothing, nothing personal. But, you know, he about to get that work. So I'd asked you earlier about what year they played in the Super Bowl, and you brought up some good trivia. So 1980, in 1980, the Phillies won the World Series and the Eagles lost in the Super Bowl. This year, the Phillies played in the – they lost in the World Series. So now the Eagles win the Super Bowl, right? The reverse? I, I look, I'll take it. I'll take that reverse. Wait, that's, that's the only time, only time that's ever happened in Philly history to have both teams, uh, baseball team and football team, playing for a championship. And they also had the Sixers and the Flyers in the Stanley Cup and in the NBA Finals that year too. What a year! What a year to be alive, man. <laughs> Do you remember it as a kid? 
I do. I yeah. I remember the full. Definitely remember the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. You know, I, I was always a big football fan. Um, that was Jaws. And, uh, yeah, Ron Jaworski played the Raiders. Um, that yeah, definitely remember that game. Uh, heartbroken when they lost that game because you know just you know that's what you want. You want that Super Bowl. So. Definitely remember that. Yeah, and the Flyers, you know, the Broad Street Bullies were putting in work back then, too. The Sixers, you know. That was like the end of Dr. J. They won in 83, yeah. I think it was. Doc and Moses, Moses Darryl yeah. and all them guys. Like, yeah, man, it, you know, the, the city was alive then, man, and electric. And, and it's just like it is now, man. It's just that's what sports does, man. The city is the city is just crazy. Like, you're talking about when they won the Super Bowl, you know, and going to the parade and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was, it was, uh, like I said, it was electric and and just, you talk about love, like it's the city of brotherly love, man. That day, it was so much love through that city, man. And, and, and for a while after that, man, it was just like, everybody loved everybody, man. So that that's, that was a beautiful time, man. So we're hoping to get that repeat again. Who is your favorite? Do you have a favorite Philly team of your lifetime or a couple? Um, the years where Randall was the quarterback of the Eagles, you know, Randall was just like the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Randall was doing some just crazy things, man. And you never saw a quarterback like that in the league. Um, and then, and then when Mike was here, Mike Vick was quarterback in the team. Um, you know, Mike, Mike oh, was just, yeah, that team, 2010 team. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Mike was a special talent to have him and Deshaun Jackson. It was just like, man, these guys just going to terrorize the league. <laughs> um, so they, they were definitely some good good teams that I remember. Um, and then, you know, Barkley's years here with the Sixers were always fun because Charles was just crazy and, and Charles just <laughs> was putting in work. You know, Charles put in work when he was here. And then, of course – I, you know, Iris's whole run here, you know, that, that was just, you know, we had the guy, we had the man, you know, so his, his time here was great too. Um, yeah, man, there, there were a lot of, a lot of good sports teams and, uh, years here with them. So, you know, we got another one right now, man. It's this, this Eagles team is, is one of those teams, man. It's, it's special. So we're hoping that we can, uh, like I said, win this one and then just continue this for at least another five years. You know, just some, just good football, man. It's always better when your team's winning and not losing. The one athlete I think from, from your lifetime as a sports fan, like in Philly that you got to watch some of at least that I wish I could have lived through is Dr. J. Yeah. Doc was, you know, Doc was crazy, man. Doc's game was just dope. You know, Doc could play, and um, another to me, another guy who was who was changing the game, you know, in certain ways. Um, you know, he he's one of those Philly legends, man. You know, he he he's definitely one of those Phillies basketball legends that probably doesn't get talked about enough. You know, because Doc, it, you know, if you watch watch some old highlights of Doc's games, Doc was putting in work on people. Doc was putting in that work. That one uh, reverse layup was just unbelievable. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. Like I said, Doc. Doc was Doc was the man. He he, he really was, and you know, just to see you know everybody coming after him. You know, it, it's you know looking forward to seeing see even with Embiid now. You know, hopefully Embiid can get a championship, but that guy is super talented, man. Do you miss Ben Simmons at all, or Markel Fultz? Nah, you know what? You know it. it no, Markel really didn't get it as as bad as Ben. You know, just something was off with that shot, and then he he was shipped out that fast. It seemed like, but uh, Ben, you know, Ben has a lot of talent. You know, but this is a scoring league, man. You got to be able to score. You got to be able to put up points, and you need defense, but. You can't have just defense, man, because you can't be a liability on the court. That's bad. You know, you got to be able to be on that court on both ends. So, no. To answer your question, no. We don't miss Ben Simmons, no. All right. I'll give you a few more, and then I think we both got to run. So, um, okay, I'm curious. Tom Brady retires. You think he's done? Any thoughts yeah, on yeah, Brady's he's done. career? He's done. Look, he, he's the GOAT for a reason. You know, you can't take anything away from that guy. He's got, I mean, his record's look like movie credits when they're running. Like it just goes on and on and on. And and those, some of those things will stand a long, long time. So, yeah, he's the good. Why weren't you on Survivor All-Stars? Um, I think they just had too many All-Stars to pick from. When we got that many All-Stars, somebody can't make it. I wasn't the only one. There was a guy with a lot of other people that should have been on that All-Star season. Was that tough? Were you, were you bummed that you missed out? No, 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 no. Look, I was busy doing my thing anyway, so, you know, it, it wasn't bum. You know, just, you know, you hope you can get back on another season. I finally did, so I was happy. And then when you came back, I mean, was that just, like, coming out of retirement, like, I'm back, let's do this thing? Yeah, man, it's like Jordan taking the years off and playing baseball and then coming <laughs> back, you know, coming back to the game and everybody saying, ah, you can't play no more because you was playing baseball. It's like, nah, man, like, yeah, I, I, I can still play this game. I can still play this game. And on top of that, I started this game. So trust me, <laughs> you're looking at the dude who started this thing. Like, I know what I'm doing out here. I'm about to show you all a couple lessons. I'm curious how you and Marissa got on. Did they call you up and say, hey, we're interested in having you. Do you have any loved ones that might be interesting to have on this show? Was that yep. like that? That's pretty much it. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I'm glad she could come. She came out and, you know, she did her thing out there. We rocked out together. Wish she could have got a little bit further, but, you know, we knew what we just said. One of us got to get all the way through it. One of us. She left an impression on all of us. I wish she could have been on there longer. She, she seemed like a great character. She is, man. She, she's, she, Marissa's, she's the woman, man. <laughs> she's, she, she's got a lot of fire. Um, very athletic and smart. So she, she's, 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 that's a sharp, sharp lady right there. I thought it was just so interesting how that whole dynamic was where it's like, okay, if we vote out a loved one, then someone's going to get mad at Redemption Island. I think those first like five episodes are some of the best episodes of TV because it's so like emotional and there's so yeah. much conflict and drama. Yeah. And the drama is, are you going to make that move? to switch with them to save them so they don't have to be there. You know, that, it, that, that's a tough decision to make. And you, you know, you got to kind of just look, look long range, look at a bigger picture um, of what you could do in the game or in redemption. Island. 
what are you up to right now and what would you like to tell people about how can people follow along anything you want to plug or promote not look if anybody's looking for me all social media at sager s-a-y-g-e-r-v and you know i'm i'm just staying busy you know doing my thing um you know I do custom-made suits so anybody in the area in philly you know needs a suit i'm your guy come to me i'll hook you up take care of you make you look good men and women too we got a lot of female customers and clients um yeah what else am i doing that's about it like the only thing i got to plug was that right um now yeah, I'm, I'm just chilling man chilling working doing my thing um trying to stay busy and everything i got a couple projects that i'm working on that i can't speak about you know i don't mm. you just can't speak about the project you're working on until uh things get a little bit more settled in but um you know just still doing my thing and uh you know loving life man Life is good. Getting ready to watch my team win another Super Bowl. Let's go. Yeah, we try to flex. When you get that, uh, when you get that project ready to go, you come back on here. We get C Black. We have a good time, the three of us. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do that. We could do that. We gonna cut it up, chop it. Yeah, up. yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, that's what's up. Thank you so much, Jervis. You got it, Jack, man. Anytime, man. All right, y'all. That concludes my conversation today with the one and only Jervis Peterson from the first season of Survivor. It was awesome having him here. Make sure you guys follow him at Jerv on Twitter and Instagram. Check out his custom-made suits and everything he's got going on over there. Go and check that out. You can follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let me know who you'd like to have me have on this show in the comments here on YouTube or leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And then uh, that'll help us get this show out to more people. We can have more guests on. I know uh, people have been enjoying some of these episodes with the Survivor contestants and also with the athletes as well. So I appreciate all the support. Make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show whether it be on Facebook or YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever it is that you listen or watch your podcasts, hit subscribe and you won't miss an episode. Next week, I'll be back here with the Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick, another Philly legend, survivor legend as well. She just made her grand return to reality television competing on The Traitors, which is now streaming on Peacock. So, we're going to have her on. We have her on basically once a month or so. Um, maybe not every month, but she, she this will be like the seventh time she's been on since August. I think we've done basically an episode each month since then. So it's always fun. The sixth, sixth time I've had her on. But it's always fun having her. She's always a joy to talk to. And this time we'll get to go deep into her time on the traders, get a little bit on her return and her coming out of retirement coming back onto reality TV for the first time in 13 years. Of course, she also did Snake in the Grass. And if you guys are interested in some of the other episodes we've done with her, you can go back and check those out. We've talked about our time on Survivor, her time as a baseball wife. We did a fun interview with her nephew, who is a Little League star. So make sure you guys go all check those out. And until our next episode with Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. 